In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a fantastic chat with Joy Taylor, the co-founder and community manager at Canvas Co-working Space here in Toowoomba, Queensland. She is also a Startup Weekend Global Facilitator, and she has been recognized as an Advanced Queensland Community Digital Champion for her work teaching kids to create with technology at Coda Dojo Toowoomba. Joy tells us about her background in finance and agribusiness and her journey from there to the co-working and startup space. We discuss the various programs and projects Joy works on to support regional communities here in Toowoomba and also across Australia, and the three main elements she focuses on when mentoring, skill development, behaviours and connection. We then dive deep into one of the smart projects Joy champions, which is Coda Dojo. You may remember back in episode 122, Emily Royale told us about the Coda Dojo program and how it has benefited both the children involved and the city of San Antonio in Texas in the USA. Joy is one of the mentors at Coda Dojo Toowoomba and in this episode, she shares all the benefits and opportunities this program affords the students who attend, but also their parents and the community and how some skills can only be learned in community. Joy also tells us about some of the other programs like METS Ignited and Zero to Startup, which have involved lots of integrating with industry, private enterprise, government and community organisations. We finish our chat discussing the emerging trend of a three-pronged approach to sustainability in business, sustainable for people, planet and profit. This episode is part of our Spotlight on the Regions and I'm glad to be able to bring you a champion from my own home region here in Toowoomba and the Darling Downs in Queensland. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns and smart cities. It's where we live, work and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The smart community podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Joy. How are you today? I'm really well, thanks, Zoe. That's awesome. How are you? Uh, I am well. Um, I am just sitting here in Toowoomba. I think we're probably not that far away from each other, looking at the same foggy day. It's lovely. Gorgeous to see a bit of moisture in the air. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's jump straight into this. And can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about? Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I am in Toowoomba and I've lived here most of my life. So we moved here when I was very, very little. So I grew up here, I went to school here, played a lot of sport as a child and then I started working, did a couple of little things but ended up working in finance. I worked for National Australia Bank for uh, a really long time and I was fortunate there to be able to do a variety of different things. So I started off as a teller, as most people um, who go straight into banking do, and then worked my way through different levels of management into business development and training um, for a while. And then I actually ended up for the, about the last seven years with um, of my 22 and a half years uh, in agribusiness in a variety of different roles there, which was really nice because I used to get a little bit of time out on my aunt and uncle's farm and I liked being out on the land and um, working with clients who, you know, their their livelihood was reliant on the land predominantly. Um, it was a really nice place to be. Obviously, with a lot of drought here, it was challenging for some of them, so being able to help them was great. But then after uh, quite a while of doing that, 
decided that there was, you know, something else that was sort of happening in our lives that meant it was time to explore the opportunity to change. Um, so we had started an e-commerce business and found that there wasn't really much community here to support that. So we decided to start building one and then that's evolved into opening and running a co-working space and running a whole lot of different types of programs that support people. So my last almost five years now has been um, in that sort of startup ecosystem co-working space uh, arena. And then the other things uh, that, you know, I guess are really important to me outside of my professional life, which is really important to me, is definitely my family. I've got a couple of kids and a couple of extra kids because they're a blended family. And I really like to travel and like to take our kids and family traveling. And the last couple of years has also been pretty focused on my health. So there were issues there a while ago. So making sure that we're, you know, looking after ourselves and getting some exercise. I really enjoy getting out camping and hiking. And then, you know, I guess there's a few other things that fit in there when it comes to, to passion. But um, a lot of what I now do in my general day-to-day life just matches all of those so whether it's professional or for personal enjoyment it all kind of blends together so um yeah life's pretty good at the moment and getting to do those those things that I really enjoy that's awesome to hear and you know I've loved being part of the community that you've created obviously not by yourself but definitely the driving force behind it so tell us what sparked your interest in this kind of I'll say smart community space but I want to hear about what, you know, sparked this interest in moving on from the corporate lifestyle into this really community space. Yeah, sure. So it was, I guess, a gradual transition for me. And I was really, really fortunate that it wasn't on my own, as you said. Um, Definitely, it's been a group effort and with my partner. So David and I are partners in life, but also partners in what's now the businesses that we run. So when, uh, when David and I first met, we weren't living nearby to each other and we decided that in order to be able to make that happen, we needed to make some changes and moving into a digital space with a business allowed us the flexibility to work wherever we wanted to. And we're both quite passionate about travelling, so we do like to travel internationally and, and around Australia as well. So having a business that was location independent was really important and when we did that you know we were looking for other ideas of who's done this how have they done it and we just weren't really finding that community that could support that journey here in the region that we live in so there was a bit of stuff happening in Brisbane not a lot but a bit and um, quite a bit more happening sort of down around Melbourne and Sydney and lots more happening overseas so we decided that we weren't prepared to move away permanently we had children here at school still and we wanted to stay here we really love Toowoomba and we wanted to be able to you know go come and go though when we wanted to so we decided to look for like-minded people and we read you know, lots of materials, lots of books and listen to lots of things about um, online businesses in particular to start with and how people find what they need and how they support each other. So reaching out to people here locally in town, we focused around startup businesses particularly and those who support uh, the activities of startups and started to bring them together with some town meetings 
David was the driving force behind that because he was the one running that, that business day to day at the time and really looking for those connections. But we started running some meetings and getting some people interested in the idea of actually forming, you know, an, an actual community. So not just kind of knowing people, but having people available that could help each other and particularly those with different skill sets, bringing them together because if everyone's just good at one thing, it doesn't really help anyone learn. So having a variety of different skills. So we curated that to begin with and that took about uh, just about nine to 12 months. We spent sort of building community, running little events, running coffee mornings and um, co-working days in cafes and things like that just to get people sort of working together. A lot of those people work from home alone. So getting them out and about and meeting each other and doing things together. And then we started running startup weekends and hackathons. And, and through that, we learned that it was really important to have a physical place for these people to come together on a more regular basis where they could find each other and access, you know, some facilities that they needed and also, you know, the people that they needed. So that evolved then from just being a casual community into a, a more formalised community. We established a not-for-profit organisation that would manage that community and the physical space. And then from there, you know, it's, it's definitely grown and evolved. So we're sort of five, nearly five and a half years down the road into that journey now. And the community is, is strong, like it's um, strong. It's also diverse, which is great. And we sort of look at it as two, two separate communities. So although they cross over quite a bit. So there's the startup community. So those who are, you know, starting new businesses or supporting others who start new businesses who are looking really for connections and some support in the mindset of what they're doing, but then also the co-working community. And that can be anything from people who are, you know, starting their own business who might, you know, cross, cross over into that community as well. But there's many, many people here who um, live in regional areas, Toowoomba, for example, by choice because of the lifestyle that affords them or what their partner does. But they actually work for maybe a large organisation or another small business that's not based in the local area. And they're, you know, they're usually working from home by themselves and it's very lonely, it's very isolating. It can seem quite nice to begin with, but, you know, once you're doing it for a while, it's, yeah, it's very, you know, very much left to your own devices at home, which can be a challenge for people. So giving them a place to come to and be around other people and really connecting there and forming that little co-working community of remote workers basically has um, has been a really nice vibe to the space, you know, during the day when a lot of entrepreneurs are out doing their other stuff. Mm, no, that's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I think it is a really interesting and diverse community and you learn so much just from those interactions, I think. And What's really useful, I, I also think, is particularly in regional areas, yes, we, we can work from home and that's awesome, but having that flexibility to then, you know, maybe one, even just one day a week or um, one day a month even just coming in together with the community. And maybe you don't co-work, maybe you come to, you know, one of the events you put on or, you know, one of the open days or something like that just to um, meet some other people and, and, you know, kind of share those ideas and I guess get inspired and also just that social aspect as well. Like you said, um, it's really important to not only think that we have to work, you know, 
all of the time, but actually bring some of those social aspects in. Um, and you get to meet people that you wouldn't normally meet down the street or in your, you know, normal friend group or whatever. So many different people from different backgrounds. I really love coming, you know, to some of the events when I can um, and then meeting some of those people because, yeah, you just wouldn't necessarily run into them day to day um, if you weren't part of this community. Definitely. Yeah. So what is a smart community to you? So it's a good question, actually. In, in coming on here, I had to sort of really give it some thought because I kind of think I thought I, I was clear about it. But once I started thinking about it, it's really quite diverse. But I guess for me, it's people who use their resources wisely. It's looking at how are we doing business? How are we living our life? How are we connecting with others? Um, and are we doing that in, I guess, the most efficient way when it comes to our resource consumption? So it doesn't always mean physical things. Sometimes it means time. Sometimes it means energy and energy as a person, like the energy we expend on things, but also the energy we consume as a, you know, using electricity or using fuels of some, some other sort. So when we think about, you know, being smart, I guess it covers a variety of different things, but also in how we're willing to learn and change and adopt new not, not just because it's new, but new ways of doing things, even new ways of thinking that can help us, you know, live a life that we enjoy and it's not just a grind like every single day. And that can come from anything of, you know, how we, how we connect with family and friends to how we run our business, how we, you know, even go shopping or, or all those sorts of things. I think there's such a wide variety of things that come into being part of a, a smart city and a smart community, but it's the adoption of those things, I guess, that is makes the difference between it just being available and being used. So that's, um, yeah, that's where I see it. Mm, yeah, no, I think that's really important. And like you said, not just adopting it because it's the new latest thing, but actually realising that once we have a look at it, it can really change the way we do things. And I also like that we want to enjoy life because I think that's so important, which you know, it seems obvious, but we forget about that so regularly. Um, you know, how many conversations do we have with people that's like, oh, how are you going today? And okay, the automatic response might be good or, you know, just because we think we have to say that. But, you know, the second response is, oh, well, you know, it's Monday and it's just like, oh, okay. And I got into such a rhythm when I was working just, you know, for the sake of working where, the, the standard response is just to, you know, say, oh, well, let's you know, like drudge through work and then we'll get to the weekend and then we'll be able to actually have, you know, enjoy our lives. But we need to enjoy it much more than that because what's the point otherwise, right? Absolutely. Every day, every moment of every day, there's always going to be ups and downs, but I think you have to make a conscious choice to do the things that you enjoy or if it's a task that you don't enjoy, considering why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly in this smart community space, that's what's really important that we don't necessarily, you know, that we choose and, and yes, there's ups and downs and yes, we can't, you know, we don't want to, there is still some drudgery there because there's still work to be done. But if we can really increase that level of, I guess, happiness or contentment or whatever, but actually doing the things that really light us up and they can really add value to the world, I think. And when we talk about smart communities, that's what I talk about is the rising tide lifts all boats. So we want to increase that level of not doing things the way we've always done them just because that's the way we did it, even though we don't enjoy it or it's a really inefficient way of doing things. But how do we use those new ways of working and technology and, and thinking to actually make it 
uh, less drudgery and more enjoyment. Absolutely. Yeah. And understanding why you're doing something. I think that's the part that, you know, a lot of people forget, you know, what's your objective of doing this? You might not particularly like the task that you've got to do, but if it's going to get you to the outcome that you want, um, then that is worthwhile. And if you can approach it with that mindset, it actually shifts it quite a lot because, you know, there's a lot of things that, I mean, you know, who enjoys doing the boring part of your job, whether you know, that's just the bookkeeping part or, heaven forbid, the social media part or something like that if you're wanting to promote things. But you know that, you know, by, by spending the time doing this, it's going to help me achieve that objective that I've got and I will really enjoy that. So, yeah, that's how I try and approach things. Yeah, and no, that's so true too, looking at the outcome and also realising we don't have to do everything ourselves I think is really important. Like I know people that love bookkeeping and that love social media Um, And yes, I might have to do it in the first instance um, until I build some momentum and, you know, obviously those things, people cost money. Um, But using our resources, like you said, more efficiently, which includes ourselves a lot of the time, what's the best use of my time? And, you know, sometimes it has to be social media for a little while, but then realizing, oh, okay, cool. Well, if I drop that, then I can do more of this, which adds more value and, you know, brings in more income or whatever. Um, And then actually looking at how we can use those resources more efficiently by bringing on more people to help us actually, you know, reach those outcomes like you were saying. And I think, yeah, outcomes are so important. And I think, yeah, we do lose sight of that sometimes that we just get stuck in the actual task, but then, okay, why am I actually doing this? And there might be a very good reason, but continuing to ask yourself that question, then you can really steer the ship the way you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we talked a little bit about why I think the smart community concept is important. What I'm really keen to talk to you about, Joy, is some of the programs and and things that you work on to really support regional Australia and regional Queensland. Yep, sure. So so we do a variety of different things and we do them in different ways as well. So even though we run a co-working space in Toowoomba and a lot of our programs are run from there, we also are conscious that a number of our members and, you know, the broader community live outside of the region or just can't physically get into the space, even if they live in town. So we use technology like Zoom to be able to provide a lot of what we do online, which helps people access that, you know, at a, either at a time that suits them or from wherever they are, depending on the, the session that it is. So with some of those programs, we, you know, we run a variety, but we focus on three core elements. So one is around skill development, so helping people learn about tools and techniques that can help them. We also focus on behaviours, so actually having, you know, a growth mindset and the behaviour of achievement. So it may not come straight away, but if, you know, we practice and perfect what we're doing in such a way that we're, we're achieving that outcome that we're looking for through behaviour. And then connections, and obviously that's a key one for us, but looking for how we can connect people both on that social level so you can find people that are like you and that you like and also people that are good at something that you're not, Um, so whether it's bookkeeping or social media or legal advice or accounting or whatever it might be, but, but, you know, they have the service that you need you are looking for, you know, someone who can answer your questions, particularly questions that maybe, you know, your friend or your mom or your next door neighbour, you know, they might have their opinion, that's nice, but they're not an expert in that field and they don't know the answer. So they're just going to tell you what they think, which will get you so far. But if you can actually connect in 
with an expert um, who can actually listen to you and answer your question and that's really helpful. So providing those services, again, both physically in, in Toowoomba but online wherever we can uh, is also really important. And we extend it beyond just that sort of, I guess, remote worker and startup community as well. So uh, over the last few years, I've done quite a bit of work in conjunction with Curens at the Queensland Rural, Regional and Remote Women's Network and USQ around helping women, particularly in rural, regional and remote areas, to be able to connect with each other and get that support, motivation, um, direction to be able to grow whatever it is. It might be a business for them and, and if it is, that's great. But if it's not, that's also fine. So we've had women go through those programs who are looking at doing something in their local community, even starting to build community within, you know, within their geographical region or online. A lot of them have got little online communities running where they've been able to tap into a network and, you know, find their tribe and help themselves as well as help other people. And they've been able to do that by building those skills and getting the, the mindset that they can do it from wherever they are. Um, so that's been really good. The other thing that I'm super proud of and I'm very excited every time I get to talk about it, so just cut me off if I talk too long, but um, is our program called Coda Dojo. So this is about teaching kids. And again, we're focused on our local area at the moment, but we're really looking for how we can expand this beyond just encouraging other people to run it in their local area as well, which I do. And if anyone wants to talk to me about that, I'm more than happy to tell them how they can start. But it's about teaching kids to create with technology in the first instance. Uh, and then beyond that, and without them necessarily realising, it's about getting them to actually build their own community and talk to each other. And for a lot of these kids who really like tech, they like to play games or they like to, you know, create with technology. They can often fall, I guess, you know, depending on how you want to describe it, but fall into the spectrum of kids who maybe don't communicate so well verbally. So they maybe don't really like talking to a group of people or talking to people they don't know. You know, they might uh, not be able to focus on one thing for a long period of time and they want to change direction quickly. They learn fast, but they also get bored fast. So we work with them to help them learn a variety of different things. So coding is one, and people are familiar with the term coding but don't always know what it means, but getting them to think logically um, in a computational style of thinking and how do they apply that to different circumstances. Obviously, it's easy when it comes to if you want to build a game, this character has to move from you know, the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen has to interact with something along the way. Why does it do that? What does it do and how does it do that? But then it's beyond that. It's getting them to think about, well, what could I use this different technology for? Um, maybe I want to create an app or a website. Maybe I want to think about this data that I've got access to that I want to sort and do something with. But then we've taken them beyond that. And it's not just coding, but it's going out into more you know, how do we apply this learning? So we've installed a LoRa gateway. So when we're thinking smart cities, LoRa or LoRaWAN is a wireless access network that uses a low power, long range um, and low bandwidth. So it's putting devices into things that are connected within the city or across the regional area where, you know, they talk back to a, a central point. So we've installed the gateway in, in our co-working space and then that creates an action. So it could be anything from, um, you know, I've installed a light sensor on my 
window at home so that once the sun starts to go down, it will turn the light on inside so it looks like somebody's home. Or if the shade, you know, comes over and it's not a sunny day, we'll do a different action. Or if it is a sunny day, it'll close the blind. So thinking about those sorts of things, and we're getting the kids to learn how to do that using a whole range of different sensors and different computer programming languages and different technologies. So they learn about moisture sensors and temperature sensors and light sensors and gyroscopes. So they know if something tips over, you know, there's a whole host of things. We've just had them building robots using ultrasonic sensors and little Arduino wheels, uh, sorry, an Arduino and little servo wheels so that they can program this little physical robot that they've built out of a lunchbox to be able to drive around like a little autonomous vehicle. It won't run into the wall. It'll sense it, stop, turn. And we've now just gone beyond that into a programmable one. So we can just design it to program a particular track or a particular circuit as well as being reactive to its environment. So these kids are learning how to do all of that from a technology perspective, but also from a physical skill perspective. They're learning how to solder. They're using an electric drill. They're using a pop rivet gun. They're using a hot glue gun. They're learning how to design things in three dimensions in the software and then actually printing it and then working out how do I attach that to my robot so that it won't fall off when it drives. So all of those sorts of things, they're, you know, they're learning those skills, but then thinking of how can I apply that? And we've recently um, expanded our program. We were really fortunate to pick up some extra funding because it's all free for kids to come to so they can come along and be part of it even if they don't have a computer or anything like that. So there's no barrier to entry there. But we picked up some funding to get a little machine that not only will print in 3D, which we do already have a 3D printer, but it extends to now being able to use it as a laser cutter and a laser etcher and a CNC router. So these kids this year are going to be able to expand beyond thinking about the creation of like, let's say, an IoT device from a sensor and code perspective into also thinking about the engineering of it and how would they create a you know, protective case for it or a mount for it so that it can be installed somewhere. So if we're thinking about you know, they might want to put something on their home or in their garden. One of the little kids said he wants a little device that he can have inside his bedside table drawer. So that's where he keeps his special things. And he knows if his sister opens it because the light will come on and it'll sense it and it'll let him know. So, you know, they're thinking about how they can use these things, you know, to check their pet's water and all of that sort of stuff as well, whether they need to water the plants and things. So, They're thinking creatively and then they're learning the skills to actually make it happen. And for me, you know, that's really exciting to see that happening because they're our next generation. They're going to be the ones that are thinking of, okay, well, you know, a smartphone already exists or a self-driving car already exists, but what's next? The things that we can't even think of yet. And they're going to be able to do that because this stuff is known to them and they know how it works as well rather than just going, oh, yeah, I saw this thing in a movie and maybe I want to make it real, where these kids are going, okay, I know how that works. I can think of something that I've never even seen. So, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, that's so awesome. And I think what you touched on there, I mean, lots of things, but the technical skills, combining that with the physical skills as well, I think is so key, particularly in their smart communities. It's all well and good. And on that same vein, people that are able to, you know, code and do these things, but then actually that bringing in the communication aspect of that as well. So then we can actually continue to have conversations about these things 
And, you know, knowing how something works is very different to, you know, being up, seeing it on the TV screen or even reading about it in an article. So those skills are so important. And like you said, because they know how it works, they can then think about the next level. You know, okay, well, I know that if I do this, this and this, this happens. But if I did this, this and this other thing, maybe something else could happen. And then we're creating things that we, you and I can't even think of. And I think increasing that digital uh, literacy is really key. And, you know, it's not necessarily going to happen in, in schools. They've got lots of things to already think about. And so bringing these things into the extra curricula, like, you know, doing music or dance or something like that. Now we're doing coding or, and building robots. Yeah. That's right. There's there's so much that they can do. And and like just on the school side, I mean, one of the reasons why I started Coda Dojo in Toowoomba, because it's an international organisation. I didn't create the organisation, but we've joined this one because I believe in the ethos of what it stands for. But my eldest child is just graduated last week, which is awesome, from university as a computer game developer. But as a child, they didn't have that community. They didn't have friends to go and do that stuff with and learn more about and expand their mind beyond what I could introduce them to. And as a parent who worked in finance, I didn't know a lot about technology at the time. And obviously, I've put myself in a position to be able to learn, but not every parent either wants to or, or understands that that's what's involved. So by having this community that those kids can come to, they can feed off each other. And, you know, we've had kids who will come in and initially their parents like, oh, I'm just, you know, I don't know if this is the right place for them. They don't socialise very well. They don't communicate very well. And, you know, they don't talk to us basically at home. They just want to sit on their computer and, and play games all the time. And then sometimes by the end of the first session or at least by the end of the second session, you know, they're talking to me, they're asking me questions. At the end of the session, if they've done something that can be displayed, they put it up on the big screen, they tell everyone what they did today and what they learned and what went right and what went wrong. And they're talking about it and, you know, it's it's quite incredible. But the other thing that we're expanding to as well is a more focus on getting them to work together and collaborate on ideas. And we've got this star chart now that is set up on the wall that will encourage them to learn the basic skills, like learn level one, level two type skills, do some advanced stuff, do a project on their own, but then do a project with someone else. So sit down and design it before you start together, work out who's going to do what part, and then work out you know, how you can each do those things and then bring them back together and bring it into one as a whole. So that sort of communication and collaboration opportunity is something that those kids would never get if they were just at home in their bedroom. Even if they were learning this stuff from YouTube or wherever they find it, learning to talk about it and learning to work together only happens in a community. Mm-hmm. And I think you can start having those conversations um, and start bouncing ideas. But I think also about kids are going to be the ones, like you said, will be the leaders, you know, the future leaders, which is is quite obvious. But also because they're thinking about these things, they're going to be thinking about data and they're going to be thinking about privacy. They're going to be thinking about security because they've experienced it themselves. So, you know, even if they're making these, you know, tech things now, but they're going to start asking those questions really early on, which only, you know, we've just started asking, um, which is, you know, well, what happens when I put, you know, my data into this thing, who else can access it or whatever, um, or, you know, those type of questions they're going to start asking now. And then they'll start, you know, thinking about how we can continually improve this space as well. And then teaching, you know, older people how it's like that reverse mentoring um, that will happen. And it it just has to happen like that because otherwise we we will end up in a place that we don't necessarily want to be in. So I think it's so important. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, well, let's move on to integration. How do you think we can better integrate across the different disciplines, governments and industries? I know you've had to do that quite a lot, you know, different pockets of funding here and there and um, working with, you know, businesses and startups and government departments. How do you think we can do that in a better integrated way? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I think, you know, a lot of it comes back to that willingness to collaborate and being open to those opportunities and also seeking them. So not just waiting for someone else to turn up and say, oh, you know, here's this, here's this opportunity. Do you want to be part of it? But actually thinking about, well, who do I need to work with in order to reach this objective that I, I see as being important? And who do I need to talk to, to actually fully understand what's happening already? and how, you know, what I'm thinking of can can fit in with that and work alongside or, you know, in conjunction with something that's already happening. So we, as in starting our community, um, obviously we talked to a lot of people, like lots and lots and lots of people about what was happening already and who was doing what and how we could um, work alongside of that. And it was interesting in some areas we got great open you know people told us what they were doing and and where they see opportunity and how we could be involved in that and that was fantastic and then in other places we literally just got shut down the door got shut in our face and it's like no not interested have no intention of doing anything with anyone else and obviously that's where we see the problem being but for those who are open you know so much has evolved and you know there's always a competitive edge to different things and we get that like you know if you're running a business that you know, you've got financial responsibilities and obligations to your stakeholders and and your staff and your customers to facilitate all of that. But looking at how you can work together is so important. And for us, working with government and different industries is also vitally important. And we've had pretty good response most of the time. So I mentioned, you know, working with um, the university and Curen that program was able to happen with some funding that come through the federal government, through the Women in STEM and Entrepreneurship funding. But here locally in, well, for Toowoomba um, being in Queensland, we're really fortunate that the Queensland government through Advanced Queensland um, and also a range of other departments have really been quite open to the space that we're in and particularly in that startup community development space. So whilst, you know, they don't pay for everything and we're not reliant on them to exist, the support that they give us in a variety of different ways has really allowed us to grow and being able to bring them in to talk to our startups, like things like um, Leanne Kemp being Queensland's chief entrepreneur. We've also had, you know, different um, departments come and run sessions about, you know, how people can apply for grants through things like Ignite Ideas even smaller things like digital grants um, through and allowing them to access funding to improve their own business's digital capability, expansion through, you know, utilising digital technologies within their business. All of those things have worked really well, we've seen. When it comes to industry, we're really excited about a program that we started um, in 2019 that we're desperately hoping we'll be able to continue in 2020. We should find out really soon, but it's with the MET sector, so mining equipment, technology and services, and looking at, you know, how can we help businesses, particularly small businesses or startup businesses, either enter or um, start their business by 
supporting the providers of services that are already in that MET sector. So mining companies, small, medium and large. And, you know, they might have something that is a solution that currently services, for example, the agriculture sector, but they see the potential of it servicing the mining sector or resources or energy. And they're learning how to, you know, how to communicate, how to speak that language, how to find the connections there. So for us being able to access, you know, different parts of different industries and particularly within that mining sector, we can get experts, we can get mentors, we can make introductions um, for those people who are going through that program. So we really need, for us, connections on a whole different variety of levels, but having those different organisations, so um, METS Ignited is supported by government, and then we're connecting with industry and we're sort of that intermediary for the startups as well, so we can connect them out both ways to industry and to government, but that only happens because we're all willing to work together and talk to each other. And we also see that with some of our other programs that we're running. So, for example, we run a program called Zero to Startup, which is a migrant program. So we're helping, it's called, it's through Fostering Integration, which is also another one that we've been able to get some federal funding to support. But it's looking at, you know, those who've arrived in Toowoomba in particular, but in the Darling Downs, who have come from elsewhere in the world, now live here, they want to do something. We're looking at people who are motivated, who want to either find work or start their own business to connect with others. So how do we get them to integrate? So sometimes for us, it's taking them along to a networking event and making introductions. For other people, it's helping them build the skills or the capabilities to be able to do what they want. We're not necessarily teaching them that, but we're connecting them to industry or connecting them to people who can help them do that. And that could be through work experience, through volunteering, They're helping them learn this is how things are done here in Australia. So obviously we still have to fit. We have to abide by all of the rules and regulations. So on the government side, we're making sure that they're connected there so that they can learn, you know, what permit, what licence, what certificate, whatever do I need? How do I do business here in Australia? But then how do I find customers and particularly if they're business to business? You know, how how do I talk to those people? How do I make those introductions? How do I present myself? in such a way as providing value and being willing to collaborate as well. So, you know, those programs are really exciting. But again, we're heavily reliant on both sides. We need industry to be willing to open their doors to new opportunities and potential in a way that is different to what they're used to. And obviously government providing money is nice, but providing the opportunity to explore those avenues and obviously people who can help us with the, you know, the technical side or, and technical is the wrong word there, but like the legislative side of what's happening. How do we, you know, how do we make sure we're ticking all the right boxes for them and not, you know, putting them in a position where their expectations can't be met because the expectations were wrong to begin with. So. Oh, awesome. Obviously lots, lots happening in the space. And I mean, I, I know you guys do a lot of stuff and it's, it's so interesting and the integration piece is so important, which is, yeah, it's great to hear your insights on that. And I'm keen to hear about emerging trends in this space. So what do you think the emerging trends are that people aren't talking about enough? Yeah, I think this probably comes into one of the focuses that I have um, with those that I do mentoring with so we do like coaching and mentoring and for me it's really looking at sustainability within business that you know it's not to say that it hasn't been there for a while but I think really focusing on the sustainability everything through your supply chain right through to you know how you're 
product or service is is disposed of or used after, repurposed or whatever it might be. So that I think is is emerging and, and through, you know, smart cities and smart communities, it really is that whole life cycle of business, but also of the products and services that we produce and create. So for me, it's really important. I started climatology at university many moons ago now. I actually didn't finish in the end. I got a bit disillusioned with it, but things have changed a lot, which is good in you know, the 15 odd years or so that it's been. But, um, but there's, you know, thinking about our impact, um, I work on basically a three-pronged approach there as well. It's around people, planet and profit. So are we, you know, are we creating a culture that is sustainable for our people? Are we thinking about not only our staff, but our customers, both sides and ourselves, of course? Is everything manageable? Is it going to be able to be repeatable indefinitely? Can we scale it? And how do we do that? And then on the planet side, it is about, you know, what resources are we using? Like I was talking to someone the other day who, you know, they're working on the production of cotton products and they're really going right back to who's producing the seed that grows this cotton that is harvested, that's milled and, you know, all the way through. And then what can we do to encourage the person who purchases this cotton product to use it after that initial purpose has been fulfilled and and what could they do with it afterward and are we making it clear and obvious and easy for them to be able to do that so that's really important as well and then on the profit side I mean we need to be financially viable so that is also really important and with a whole focus around circular economy around social enterprise as well as you know business as we know it and and businesses we don't that you know it's changing and evolving the way that we really focus on profit and that it's not all about a dollar profit but what we grow what we achieve you know going back to our objectives and why we're doing what we're doing and what our outcome is but are we focused on that to the extent that we're disregarding other things that are important or are we focusing on the growth and you know and sustainability across those whole range of things so I think, you know, as far as things emerging, that's really important. Like, and I'm conscious as well with the kids in Coda Dojo, like when we're, you know, 3D printing something, it's like, well, what are you going to do with this? You know, what's it for? And sometimes it's just for fun and enjoyment and that's okay as well. But then what are you going to do with it afterward? Like, are you just going to throw it in the bin or are you going to do something with it? Can you recycle it? Can you repurpose it? Can you gift it? Can you, you know, what can you do? And I think for a lot of businesses they're really needing to think about that a lot more in that whole scope of sustainability and you know I mean I'm not going to go down the whole climate change range but you know what what we're experiencing now isn't normal and we need to be conscious of our impact both now but into the future as well and it's really important I guess for every business but every person to think about that and what they're doing. And I know lots and lots of people are and, and like lots of people are doing really, really well, but it's stopping and thinking, not, well, I'm not going to say not to think about everything, single thing that you do, but you can't do that necessarily every day. But taking a moment and even an hour and going, okay, for the next hour and set yourself a timer, I'm going to think about everything that I interact with. Am I doing it in the most efficient way possible? Or could I be doing this better? And better could mean saving me time or saving resources or, you know, um, introducing another person into the mix of how I do that. So maybe I don't even have to do it, but someone else is going to do it because they're more better equipped at it, they're better skilled at it, whatever it might be, that then makes my, my time more sustainable as well because I'm not wasting it. 
Mm. No, that's so important. And I think sustainability and thinking about it in you know the true sense of the word is really important for business and for us as individuals as well. And I, I like that trend and hopefully it's not just a trend, but it will be business as usual in this space because it has to be. I always say that smart communities is just like sexy sustainability now that it's got the, you know, the tech side of things, but that's, that's what it is. And, you know, when I went through uni, sustainability was the hot buzzword and, you know, I did sustainable engineering and that was my favorite kind of subjects. And then it kind of went, oh, we're tired of that word, but the substance and the essence of it is still so important and even more so as we face, you know, what we're facing right now. So yeah, thanks for bringing that trend. It's that trend up. It's really, really important and something we need to continue to talk about. Definitely. Yes. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll wrap this up and say thank you so much, Joy, for coming onto the podcast. It's been such a great conversation and I really look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, me too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really um, lovely to have a chat and yes, a new decade ahead. So it's exciting. Oh, so exciting. Well, I just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Oh, okay, so I am pretty much uh, everywhere except Snapchat. So, <laughs> uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn. You can just search Joy Taylor, Canvas Co-working. That will get me um, there. Facebook, people can always email me. So joy at canvascoworking.com.au or, of course, you can pop in if you're in Toowoomba. We're on Rutherford Street. You can come find us there. Just Google Canvas Co-working. But, uh, look, you know, anywhere. I'm more than happy for people to reach out anytime and connect with me. I honestly will say that I do my best to stay off social media and out of my email inbox as much as possible. I like talking to people in person, but if you want some time, then just, yeah, message me and we'll we'll work it out. Excellent. Well, thank you again for coming onto the podcast. And yes, I really look forward to catching up. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joy. Talk soon. Okay. Bye, Zoe. Bye. The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're looking for support in podcast strategy and production, workshop design and facilitation, or communication and media advisory, get in touch. Email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Community podcast is what you're looking for.